the My Money, My Lifestyle podcast, where we discuss all things money, because whether or not we like it, money matters. I'm your host, Maya, and today my guest is Busi Skinjana. Besides being just a burial stopper, what else have they done? What wealth have they created for themselves? Now, these are the hard conversations that stoppers need to have amongst themselves. As you will gather from today's podcast, it's all about stockfills. And the best way to describe Wussy is as a stockfill guru, because she's been running BSK Marketing for 25 years, which focuses on stockfills throughout South Africa. And she has also started the Stockfell Academy, an education platform for the Stockfell community. So please welcome Buzzy, Buzzy, and welcome to the um, My Money, My Lifestyle podcast. And before we kick off, please tell us a little bit more about the Stockfell Academy. Hi, once more, thank you, Maya, for inviting me. This is a great honor. And uh, yeah, I'm actually not just a Stockfell guru. I'm just passionate about Stockfells. Yeah, how it all started, uh, I'm a marketer by profession. I've been working with different FMCG companies and some of the financial institutions to market their brands and services within the stock fell market segment. I then realized that uh, stock fells, there's a gap in terms of education, you know, within the stock fell community. Uh, remember, stock fells are just ordinary people like me, but within the stock fell setting, you know, the that we don't get conversations about educating them, especially when it comes to money matters. It's more about how can we consume this money? And that sort of touched me. You know, I felt that there is a need to create a platform where stock press can now shift from consumption conversations to how can we save, how can we create wealth for ourselves? I then started the Stockfell Academy as a division within BSK Marketing to actually have educational conversations with the Stockfell members. And I think it's so important, Busi, to talk about the power of, of, of Stockfells because, I, you know, I look at this as one of the most powerful platforms that we have in South Africa to help people achieve goals. There's so many people, there's so many right from sort of rural people up to professional people belong to Stockfells. It, it's actually phenomenal. I, I, be, I belong to one myself as well. <laughs> of course you belong to one. I hope you belong to one. <laughs> and uh, what, what I always find so interesting, I see the old mutual um, investment um, and savings monitor. It comes out every year. And, you know, during these big um, crashes, you know, especially COVID, we had the 2008 crisis, COVID. Do you know that Stockfells remained the most resilient place for savings? So whilst people were cancelling, yeah, they were cancelling everything, but they didn't cancel their Stockfells. And I just think, imagine if we can harness this um, and create wealth for people in South Africa using this. And, And do you think we're doing enough? Uh, look, it's work in progress, if I may put it that way. There's still a lot that needs to be done. The big question is who needs to do what? You know, uh, for me, stock fairs themselves, they need to take ownership, be responsible for this money that they work so hard to save. As you say, they've proved to be resilient. But what are they doing to ensure that this money sustains them you know, beyond themselves as a group. So step number one, I think it's high time that stockfells, if they are listening to this podcast, 
they should actually do a reflection within themselves that if we've been a stockpile for the past 30 years, like for example, my husband stockpile, they've been together for more than 30 years. Besides being just a burial stockpile, what else have they done? What wealth have they created for themselves? Now, these are the hard conversations that stockpiles need to have amongst themselves. And then if we move outside the stockpiles, then we need to look at other stakeholders, like for example, the financial institutions. Financial institutions are recipients of this stockpile money in the form of savings. We know some of the stockpiles do save, you know, but what are the financial institutions doing to actually help or assist stockpiles to actually save smarter? Because some of them, I know for a fact, they pack their money in the bank. They don't look at different packages or products that are existing within the bank. So those stakeholders like the banks and all that, they need to actually come to the party and say, what can we do to actually educate stockpiles so that stockpiles can actually become our loyal customers? And I don't see that happening much in South Africa. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I always look and I think, I just wonder sometimes the financial industry is just isn't completely switched off when it comes to Stockwell because it does feel like they say, okay, you want a bank account. And there are, you can get a Stockwell bank account and, you know, all the rest of it. But what about the investment products out there? And I know Alexander Forbes was probably the only company that's brought out. They brought out specified unit trusts, for example, for, mm. for Stockfells. But I look and I think, what about, you know, creating um, investment clubs? But, you know, they understand, some of the stockbrokers understand investment clubs. But what about focusing that on, on Stockfells? What about creating um, opportunities for education to happen at Stockfells? So sending out people to talk about investments, to talk about those sorts of things in Stockfells. Although, well, see, I, I do have to say that whilst the, the mainstream financial industry has been switched off to it, unfortunately, the scammers have been very switched on to Stockfells. Yeah, mm. definitely, definitely, definitely. You, 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 you spot on, Maya. That's exactly what is happening. And because Stockfells are sort of vulnerable, you know, we all want to get rich as quick as we can, you know. <laughs> it's human nature, I suppose. <laughs> so stockfellers tend to be a bit receptive to, receptive to those scammers who promise them that by the end of the year, you'd have made so much thousands, millions and all that. I've seen it over a number of years. And that's where we need the intervention of the formal financial institutions to actually educate, not to sell products, mm -hmm. you know. I've been in a situation where I've had some of the banks being my clients, but, you know, you probably just have to go out there and say, oh, there's this new stockpile product available in the market, you know. I say, hold on a minute, let's invest in actually educating them. And naturally, you know, you can actually even cross-sell within one stockpile, you know. We could be a stockpile like myself. I'm a businesswoman, but I'm a stockpile member. So if the bank can take an interest in Boosie Stockfell, it's amazing how much they can actually harvest uh, from my Stockfell. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think there is a fatal grind for scammers out there, unfortunately, because of lack of education, financial education. And I mean, I just think such an opportunity in a Stockfell to do, or even just basic financial education that absolutely everyone needs, even if you're running a professional, or even if all of you are, professional workers and maybe putting two grand away every month into your stockfell, you can all benefit from like 
understanding budgeting, the cost of credit, all of those things. And I think so much of that could be done at Stockfell level because you're engaging with people's money. So they are primed for these conversations. They want to know how to make their money do more. That's why they're part of the Stockfell. That's actually what a Stockfell is. It's trying to get you to do more with your money. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. And education in a holistic way. I mean, you know, much as I don't uh, believe in harsh regulating stock fells, uh, I, I think we need to create an enabling environment where stock fells could learn about all facets of their stock fell business. Administration, for example, it's not just about accumulating X amount of rents, but how do you administer that? You know, we know that we live in the world of technology. Stock fells are still in the old book format. There's still a lot of uh, some secrecy, not much transparency amongst themselves. So they need to actually embrace open administration processes as well. You know, we should also minimize scams within the stock fence because some of the crime happens within the Stockwell members themselves. Mm. So yes, I do agree with you. There's a whole world of education, you know, mm. uh, that needs to be uh, done within uh, uh, Stockwells, you know. And it's not just about savings, because I think everyone, when we talk about Stockwells, we talk about savings as a savings instrument. We need to emphasize more on investment now, you know. That's where long-term longevity, because the majority of Stockwells, they save at the end of the year, they share the money, they start again. They save for groceries and then they start again. You know, it, it, it's that kind of a cycle. So we need to start seeing Stockfell having long-term sustainable investment programs that will actually be inherited by their own uh, uh, family members of children. I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah, your family inheritance. And in fact, I remember coming across one um, one Stockfell that was doing that. They were doing investments and they actually had a Stockfell for the youth, for their kids as well. Um, and that was to help um, actually put together education funds for the children of the Stockfells. And I thought, again, I, I get so excited when I hear those sorts of initiatives because it is these. this is the way to harness it, isn't it? I mean, if you can start a Stockfell for your for the Stockfell members' edu- uh, kids' education fund, I mean, these are so many of the opportunities that, that a Stockfell, Stockfell can present. Definitely, Maya, and I must say, if I may just share, because I always, to, you know, to share my personal journey, you know, besides just being an activist, stock and activist, so to say. I mean, one of the stock fairs that I belong to, which I was uh, dragged to this stock fair, and I use the word dragged because at that point in time, I didn't understand this monster called property investment. And then when one of my stock fair members said to me, come and join us in another stock fair, because that's how it happens. It turned out they were actually exploring investing in a in property, holiday home, not timeshare, not anything. It was actually buying a holiday home in one of the reputable holiday resorts. And at that point in time, that was in 1998, I didn't know anything about property investment. All I knew is that you buy your own house and that's it. You know, you pay off the bond, you know. And fast forward from 1998 to date, we, we still have that own that asset. We registered as a company. We raised the bond and went through all the, you know, the screening processes. I mean, that as I'll call it asset class, if I may, 
it's actually generating annual revenue for us because it's in the rental pool in the holiday. We don't even have to administer it. It's administered by the holiday resort. But what happens is one of our, I think we've lost two members now, unfortunately. Their children are still benefiting out of the, you know, whatever income that we get out of it. So that's generational wealth to me because we've now invested in an asset that is actually generating income. It's, you know, so no one questioning that you can click button, you can always assess it and evaluate it. You can even evaluate it at this point in time. So these are the kind of uh, case studies that needs to, sh- to be shared with stock funds. I love that, generational wealth. Use your stock fund to create generational wealth. In fact, that's the name of this podcast I've decided. And it's so powerful. Yes. But, you know, this yes. does come back to, you know, you said, you know, sometimes the scams happen within the stock fund itself. So how does one, and I know property can be particularly challenging because it's, it's, it's a fixed asset. How do you have multiple members? You mentioned that it's in a company structure. If you were looking at getting involved in property, and I know a lot of people like property, how, mm. what advice would you give a stock fund around that? Firstly, I would say get an expert. I always make a disclaimer. I am in no way a property investment expert. So get expert advice. Because there's many facets to property investment. As you say, first thing, this property, where is it? How is it going to be managed? Uh, is, you know, you're not buying for anyone to stay there and all that stuff, you know. So there's lots of components. And I think sometimes property investment is more of a hype. You know, I read a lot of things about stockpiles, property, this and that. Having walked that journey, even with my personal stockpile that I've just shared with you, it hasn't been a walk in the park, I must be honest. You know, you see, so there has been challenges. So advice number one, get an expert advice, even if you go to the bank, because some of these stockpiles that want to go into property investment, they already have a bank, they're saving with bank X. You know, so just walk into the bank, something that stockpiles don't normally do, and say, we are stockpile X, we would like to explore property investment. I mean, in fact, I feel banks should start having like a relationship manager like they have with businesses. There should be a relationship manager with stockpiles within their books, you know, so that they can get this advice and then they can walk them through the path. Instead of listening to Busi, because Busi happened to have had the lack of investing at Kruger Park Lodge, it doesn't always work for the other stockpile that is sitting in Kunu, for example. A stockpile that may not be able to raise the kind of money that we raise because of our socioeconomic situation. And by the way, we also need to be mindful of the fact that when we talk about stockpile, it's a generic term, but stockpiles are from all income groups, you know. My stockpile is different from my global stockpile, which is just a social grant recipient. So we need to be careful how we communicate, you know, about these buzzwords, corporate investment, unit trust, and all that, you know. No, absolutely. And I also find, you know, many people belong to multiple uh, stockpiles. So they'll have their, their one that is more investment focused, but then they'll still have their grocery one or their holiday stockpile is a big one. Yes. Especially again, maybe a high income or even just, you know, you're wanting to go, um, you know, to the coast on holiday, you got, they put together a, a holiday stockpile. So I think you're right. Um, but the same principles apply, I think, across all of them. Um, the, the, the principle of, um, you know, of making sure you have the, a constitution. What happens if someone leaves a stockpile? How do you work with that? So what is your advice? And that is probably one of the big, biggest questions I get from people saying we want to start a stock fill, especially young professionals. They really want to do this. Mm-hmm. What should we watch out for? What kind of clauses do we need to have in there that, you know, that'll make this work? 
definitely that constitution is key. Uh, uh, it's a key document that they need to craft looking at it must suit their personal circumstances, you know, their age profile, as you say, what is the entrance uh, point? What is the exit point? Because most of the time, stock fairs, they craft this document, but they tend not to tighten up the loops when it comes to exiting. You know, what happens if my financial situation changes? You know, it happens all the time, you know. So, yes, it's important to have that constitution take time, reflect on it as Stockfell members. My observation and experience over the number of years, Stockfell members, they tend to leave this to the executive. The executive would be the three people, the chairperson, the secretary, and the treasurer. Those are the people who will craft this constitution. And yet, if it's the 10 of us in the Stockfell, all of us must make inputs into this document. You should not only be the three clever ones you know, who are actually crafting this constitution because <laughs> unfortunately the very three clever ones in inverted commas, those are the ones who turn things around to suit themselves, you know. That's what I'm yeah. thinking, Busy. I'm thinking it's the clever ones you're going to watch out for. <laughs> definitely, definitely watch for the clever ones within your stock first. <laughs> Yeah. And is there a template that one could go to? I mean, does your Stockfell Academy, for example, would be able, somebody be able to get information from there on, on how to go about doing a constitution? Or just... Yes, we do. We have, definitely, we do have a template. Uh, many, many years ago, I was privileged. I was working with one of the media, uh, uh, media houses, and I used to... Uh, contribute a weekly uh, column uh, in, in their magazine. And one of the things, and then eventually we compiled all my articles into a book format, a Stockfell guide, so to speak. And I know for a fact there is a chapter about the constitution, you know, in that booklet. In fact, I'll ask Lerato to actually share the book with you, you know, uh, just for reference sake. So there is definitely a standard template, but as I'm saying, it has to be customized to suit your personal circumstances as as, as an individual stockholder. And Busi, I want to. I know you, you've you've mentioned before that you know South African stockholders could learn from countries like Kenya and Tanzania. What are they doing differently to what we're doing? Uh, you know what I've learned. Uh, uh, I've learned actually. I had the privilege to to, to visit uh, that part of the country again on Stockfell mission. One, they are very proud to be members of the Stockfells just from a, a, a socio-economic economic perspective. Stock, South Africa, there's more emphasis on social. We get together over the weekend, we contribute money, we have fun, and that's it. When you have a conversation with an average person in Kenya in the Stockfells, you know, they see it as a business. I mean, they, they, they're really serious about property, for example. I mean, you can Google and find a history about X number of, they call themselves charmers, they're called charmers, you know. Uh, they, they, they have a program of action that we work together. Some of them are stockholders that are formed at work, you know. So there is sort of sustainability, if I may use the word, and sustainability that is built on a specific program. This is what we want to achieve. It's not just an emotional kind of thing that we want to start a stock fell because we are neighbors, because we are colleagues in the event of death. There's more depth in it. You know, what is it that we want to acquire? That's what I've learned in terms of charmers. They, are also, they also embrace technology. I mean, in South Africa, stock fells were still very much shy of technology, just using, you know, as I'm saying, we still use books. We still don't engage with apps. 
as we should, as stockpile, you know. So I noticed that, I mean, I had a client a few months ago and they wanted to actually develop an app. And we battled to get our stockpiles in South Africa because this program was linked to Tanzania. And we, Maya, I had to give up because, I mean, the Tanzanian stockpiles were miles away of us in terms of embracing this upcoming app. And look, I'm not saying it must be an app for the sake of an app, but stock fairs themselves need to actually start saying, besides just taking minutes, writing minutes, giving loans, because whether we like it or not, there's lots of micro lending within stock fairs. It's just what it is, you know? And that's where this crime nourishes again, because now you've given a 5,000 loan to Pussy. That loan is registered in a piece of paper and, 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 you know, so there's no tracking, so to speak. Yeah. So the difference, the fundamental difference to me between South African stock fairs and Kenya and Tanzania is that in, in, in Kenya and Tanzania, there's focus on business. Stock fairs are a business. In South Africa, we seem to be mostly on the social component, you know, it's a social movement. Uh, in terms of technology, we are definitely <laughs> lagging down. We're more interested in the party than the technology. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm but, just thinking, you know, and I'm, I'm sure when a bank does this, they, need, they owe me money for coming up with the idea. But I'm just thinking, you know, when I open up a business account with my bank, they actually give me an entire invoicing system to go with it. Why not have something like that for your, the stockfall account that actually registers the loans, registers, you know, all of those things so that you actually are able to do. You don't even necessarily need to have an app. You just need the bank to be able to give you some kind of, of um, software attached to the bank account. You know, that would be a really mm. good example. And again, we keep coming back to the fact that the financial industry just is missing this massive opportunity. And it just floors me every single time. Because I think you and I need to go on a campaign. Uh, I can just think of a hundred ways that they could be they could be assisting um but i also wanted to um to, to you know we've spoken a little bit about things like getting into property and i have to agree with you sorry just as an aside because i wanted to mention this when you were talking about it property is not an easy investment mm -hmm. and i see so many people wanting to get into property as an investment and let me tell you it's not easy and i think if you haven't run the numbers you're not an expert in the in it you haven't don't know what you're doing it's a very quick way to lose money so I thought I just you know I acknowledge the point that you make but then is apart from properties investing in shares you know and in, and in, in you could actually start a business um you know could you give me an idea of some of the kind of businesses that a stock fall could could enter into uh you know a few months ago uh, I was invited uh, by a friend of mine who's assisting spaza shop owners in Soweto to actually buy in group instead of buying as individuals, as a shops. And we know that is a typical stockpile model, especially when it comes to groceries, bulk grocery buying. Now, if you take 20 Spaza shop owners in Soweto, you know, uh, who are getting on with their business, we have to go to one of the major wholesalers to buy 20 bags of maize meal or sugar or whatever as individuals. Just imagine how much power they could hold if they would actually put their money together, go to Wholesale X and negotiate a better deal. They are business owners. They now form a stock firm as Spaza owners. And I quickly jumped to that. I said, you know what, I would love to actually support this group because it's high time that we start complaining that in the townships, the foreigners are taking away the businesses. When we've got Spaza owners 
who could actually be working together using the Stockfell model to negotiate a better deal so that they can be competitive in terms of their prices. You know? So to me, it's one of the basic grassroots business models that can be embraced. And the funny thing that what I discovered when I engaged with these uh, shopkeepers or spaza owners, they already belong to stock firms. They are members of stock firms in their personal space. So it's not anything foreign here, you know. So they just have to take that from their personal stock firms and bring it into their now business stock firm issues, spaza owners, so that they can now have a stronger buying power, you know, with the wholesalers. So yeah, and then when you get to youngsters, for example, uh, uh, from a business perspective, a few years ago, I engaged with uh, some students that just completed their, you know, they're into social, digital marketing, production, film, and all those things. They need to buy you fancy laptops. I mean, you youngsters, you can actually form a stock person that you can assist each other to buy a simple thing like your Mac uh, laptop, for example, you know, because you know one another, you know, you're in the same career, you're in the same field, you know what tools of trade you need, but you cannot afford to buy that. Because stock fairs are basically about assisting members to buy things. And traditionally, those things were, if I'm a, I'm a housewife, I'd buy a, a couch for my house, I'd buy a TV set, I'd pay school fees. So you can translate that now into a business, you know, let's help each other to actually buy trade. Uh, tools of change to actually grow our businesses. Mm. Oh, very good. I mean, again, it's just the power of the collective, the power of, of coming together. Um, and, I, and again, I just go back to, to, to sum up that, you know, for me, I mean, I've spoken it in, on international stages with other countries um, about trying to solve the savings rates. In most emerging countries, you know, have similar issues. You know, people need to be saving more and all the rest of it. And I've always said, you know, the stickiest, the stickiest savings is stock fills. Um, and I've got a very good friend who says to me, you know, Maya, she has an investment stock fill. And she said, you know, if I rock up there and I say, listen, I don't have money this, this month to put into the stock fill, they'll say, hmm, girl, nice shoes. You know, when mm. we bought those, or we saw you bought curtains mm. last last week, but you can't buy. Mm. And that peer pressure and that opportunity of using peer pressure, accountability to grow wealth, I think is probably the most undertapped or untapped, under you know, utilized um, mechanism in yes. South Africa. So I think if we can get that that word out, um, yeah, we're doing a lot of good. You are spot and actually I think that's one of the basics of a stockpile, the peer peer pressure, because you don't also don't mess up when you it's your time to pay a stockpile. You'd rather owe other retail stores, <laughs> but you don't mess up with stockpiles, you know. So that peer pressure definitely is something that needs to be harnessed and nurtured, you know. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. to just to instill because some people ask and say why bother why can't you just take your money and put it in a bank you know i think you must have heard those arguments before you know why bother why don't pick up just you know uh, besides the social component which is very important by the way i'm not undermining that but just knowing that at the end of the month i will be expected by my friends because you don't want to disappoint your family you don't want to disappoint your friends you don't want to disappoint your neighbors because those are the key stakeholders in the stock firm, friends, family, neighbors, and you'll do the best that you can do to ensure that you put aside some, some money, you know, uh, towards your stock firm contribution.
And I think also, you know, we we do need to move away from the idea of it. And I know most popular stock files, you kind of get the money out on your birthday or your month four, and to move away from that and saying this is now investments. We're not just pulling it out every year. Or maybe we have one stock file that's for the stock file keeps some for emergencies. So if something happens to a member, the funds are available um, and the group determines what those emergencies may be. So I think one needs to move away from, and I think you're completely correct, that just simply we put our money in and each month month somebody gets something out kind of stock full it's not doing enough you no, <laughs> you no, can be creating investments you could you know even as basic as, as having creating an emergency um, net for for members there's so much more you can be doing with your stock full so I think um, I can highly recommend you maybe get in contact Bussy or follow the stock file academy and please share your ideas with us um, I think this is a conversation we really need to be get, getting going in South Africa Bussy so thank you Definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity, Maya. Thank you very much. And, and I hope people will embrace stock fairs. And we always say it's about wealth and wisdom when it comes to stock fairs. <laughs>